Hi guys, this is your host, Kara Duffy. This is the live, unedited recording from our roundtable, A Powerful Conversation About America, Racism, Episode 2. It's been a month since we recorded Episode 1, so we're asking our panelists, has anything changed? This conversation took place on July 24th, 2020, featuring Sharifa Hardy, Mikkel Drew, Shandra Gore, Kristen Fenerick, and Lauren Wilson. We encourage and invite you to share this powerful and inspiring episode with everyone who needs to hear it. Okay, so thank you guys so much for coming to our A Powerful Conversation About America, Racism, Episode 2. It's been exactly one month since we had our first conversation that was very powerful and inspiring and moving. And I'm excited to introduce who our panelists are for today. So we have these five incredible women who are here speaking with us today. You guys remember Sharifa from our first event, same as Mikkel and Chandra. And then we have two new incredible women joining us today, Kristen and Lauren. So I will let everyone do a little introduction themselves so we can get a reminder of how powerful and amazing you are, and then we'll get into the questions. So Sharifa, let's start with you. I didn't realize, did not realize I was muted. I was talking to myself. <laughs> we were having a wonderful conversation. I said that is a blessing. It's wonderful to be here again today. Good to see you again, Kara, Chandra, everyone. Um, thank you again for this opportunity. For those of you who don't know me, my primary focus is being a business consultant, author, and talk show host. I host three different talk shows, all the way from Ash Sharifa Videocast to the Roundtable Talk Show and Face to Face Talk Show, which is a show I launched about about a month ago after this panel. And one of the reasons I wanted to do that is I agree, we need to have more conversations about America, race relations. And I realized on the roundtable talk show, I didn't want people who came to the show to discuss their book or their business to feel awkward and put in a position to have to discuss and have conversations that they may not, you know, want to have. So, so that's me. Love it. Thank you. Mikkel, please introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. I'm Mikkel Drew Pelham. I am a teacher, a professor at FIT, um, a fashion educator. I have a business, a training business um, called 383 Design Studio. And I train fashion designers, whether you're existing or looking to get into fashion, um, how to use the computer, Adobe's specific pro uh, programs right now, and then moving into 3D. Um, how to use those specifically for fashion. That's what I do. Love it. Thank you for coming back. All right, Chandra. Hey, everybody. Um, my name is Chandra Gore. I am a consultant and also a publicist. I am so excited to be here to talk about this today. Um, I, I think it's opened the, the lines of communication for everyone. So um, that's about it. <laughs> Thank you. And Kristen, welcome. Hello, welcome. How is everyone today? This is super exciting to be here. My name is Kristen Fenrick, and I am the owner of Clearly Kristen, Inc. It is a fashion jewelry and accessories brand. I'm based in Houston, Texas. I'm also the host of In Style with Clearly Kristen. It is a show where we bring on fashion, beauty, 
um, entrepreneurs and business people who are in the fashion and beauty space to give them a chance to spotlight and to show who they are and to tell their story. So um, it's very exciting to just be here today to be a part of this panel of amazing women. Thank you. And last but not least, we have Lauren Wilson. Lauren, you might be on mute. <laughs> can everyone hear me? Now we can. Yes, hi. <laughs> Talking to myself just like Sharifa. All right. Um, I'm Lauren Wilson. Great to be here. And thank you, Kara, for having us. Um, really excited to speak uh, to everyone and open the conversation. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm based in New York, where I run a company called Doramar, which is a luxury fashion consignment platform. Um, before that, I worked in luxury fashion, um, any and every job in New York, Ralph Lauren, Gucci, the whole like. So um, it's great to see some fashion people on this panel as well. And talk about that intersectionality and, and race and everything. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And I have to give Lauren a little brag moment because she just got featured in Vogue, which is so exciting. So it came out, uh, was, it, was it Wednesday? The Wednesday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you so much. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, perfect. So the first question I have for all of you is, has anything changed in the past month since we had our first conversation? Well, I guess I'll go ahead and answer that <laughs> since it's quiet on the panel. You, you know, I talk. That's what Ash Sharifa does. Um, to answer that question, for me, at least personally, it's a yes and no answer. I have seen a lot more conversations. I have, I've been a part of a lot more panels. This was the first panel that I was on in regards to race relations in America, but I've been on other panels, asked to speak at different occasions. I've been able to speak at a church. Um, for the people who don't know me, I ran for Long Beach City Council, so they called me out to speak on a panel with the deputy chief of Long Beach, who's only second to the chief of police in Long Beach. Then I did another panel with the um, prosecutor in Long Beach in order to make changes in Long Beach. So I feel like there have been more conversations. However, my focus is and remains on reparations. So until we can have that conversation and get those checks written, then I'll say, okay, we've had enough change. But we've changed it up to be able to have conversations, which I am happy about. I will say there has been an increase in um, conversations, but there's been so many different changes in um, <laughs> roles and positions being offered that were never offered before. And it just seems like it's a placation of, you know, trying to save face now that things have been brought to people's attention. Like, where were those jobs before all of this stuff happened? Like, why now are the, you know, there are editors and editors being named from individuals who were qualified before? So to me, it's like, um, <laughs> thank you, but... It, it, it's like, is it genuine or are you just being, um, just giving something just to say you did it? Because there's been a lot of people who have been um, overlooked for years and years and years and years and years. And then it took this big shift to happen, this big, you know, things to be brought to light to happen for these roles to be filled. And I'm like, um, I, I'm, I'm appreciative. Don't get, don't get it wrong. But it's like, what what more like why why wasn't this done before you know when people are going up against people who have less credentials than they do you know what i'm saying then then the person who was hired it's it's kind of 
it's brought a lot of stuff to light, you know, it's brought so many, you know, it's pulled back the veil. Like I've seen in the fashion industry, you know, that it's, there's been so many different changes and I'm like, you should have done this before all of this. And then you announce these changes, just do it and be right about it. it. Even in the media, it's been the same way. Like there have been publications that have never reached out to African-American women and men that want to, um, to feature clients who we've been pitching for years. You know what I'm saying? Now they want to jump on the bandwagon to put them on the cover, put them in features, put them in on these lists and all of the, all of these lists that came out, like these businesses just popped up out of nowhere. Like, I just think that it's, 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 it's a great thing, but it's also a double-edged sword because it's like, it's kind of a slap in the face, you know, because you knew we were here before, but now because you want to save your image, you want to push it to the forefront. It, 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 it's, it's, if you're damned if you do, damned if you don't at this point. Like, I just, I, I, but I've been reached, there's been other people who've reached out to me who I've tried to work with before, other, other publicists, other public, other public relation firms. And I'm like, I tried to network with you before. Like, why now? Like, duh, I'm good. Well, what other black publications? I'm good. Don't ask me for, for a list of black publications. Don't do that. You know, it's, it's, it's a slap in my face. Like you have Google, <laughs> Google is available. Like, I just think it, 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 uh, it's changed. So I'm new, I'm new to the panel, but not new to this discussion. And just to give you guys a little bit of a background about myself, um, before I took my jump into the fashion industry, I was in the ed tech space and in the ed, te ed tech space, I was in sales, and I was with a really large educational technology company, and I was one of the very few, being a female and being a black female, that had a position um, with this company. They took a chance, as they said, on me, but I ended up really excelling and doing an amazing job and really helping to open the door for other women like myself to come in after me and get jobs in this space, which was predominantly male before. And then even if it was female, it was usually other women that were able to get these positions. I interviewed this week someone on my show that said something very, very like very mind-blowing to me that really made so much sense, being in the education space for as long as I was. He was talking to me about a new initiative that they're starting called the Be Smart Initiative. And the Be Smart Initiative is specifically geared toward helping uh, children at younger ages know about all the different career paths that are out there. Because part of it, yes, is what you're saying, Chandra, is about the fact that, you know, where, where have we been all this time? Where have these jobs all been? But it's also the part of education on our part, educating our children and educating those around about other types of jobs and career paths and all the behind the scenes things that are available. And we all have to do our part in educating everybody, this next generation, the people that are currently in positions of power across the country that can hire uh, people of diversity and just getting ourselves in the room and getting a seat at the table and not stopping you know, just at anything. Like we have to forge those doors. And as these doors are opening right now, we need to step in them and then make sure most importantly that our children and this next generation are prepared to take these roles that are opening up and now available to us. Um, and it's not that it shouldn't have been, I'm in total agreement. Like 
what happened before? Why did it take something like what's going on for people to jump into it? The thing is, the season is here. And I think that's really going to be a space for everyone to really excel and figure out what they're good at and really know like what is all out there so that they can take part of it. I think that's wonderful and well said that you said it, Kristen. And, and, and I think that, that it was a lot of truth in what you had to say as well as what Chandra had to say. My focus, and, and I did an interview a couple of weeks ago, and the gentleman asked me, he said, Sharifa, are you, were you really motivated by Shirley Chisholm? One of the things that she said was to make sure that you get a seat at the table. And I said, no, I love Shirley Chisholm, but I don't stand by the whole get a seat at the table. I don't necessarily want a seat at the table. I want my own table. That's my focus in creating my table so that I can help other people become entrepreneurs, business owners, and CEOs. So I want to create that lane for people, which is why my focus has been on, on helping entrepreneurs, why I wrote my book, Signs You Might Be an Entrepreneur, why I built my first website in 1994, been doing this for 26 years, to help people not only be at someone else's table, but be the head of their own table. You know, I think that's really important that you say that because I'm all about that too. Like entrepreneurs, I love me some entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur myself too. What I do realize though, in order for me to get to this place, I had to forge connections. And these relationships and these connections that I had to forge, guess what? I sometimes had to do jobs that I didn't want to do. I sometimes had to work uh, behind the scenes and a place that maybe I didn't want to. I had to do a lot of things on my path to get, I didn't just wake up as, you know, like, like this. I didn't just wake up one day and this is what I walked into. I had to go through many different steps. And I think it's important for us to let people know that there's steps to this process and you have to start somewhere and don't be, you know, worried about that piece. Start where you are, forge connections, get the seat at the table of where you want are knowing what you're trying to get to is to or where you're going is to get your own table and to create and I think everybody here on this panel beauty is that we are creators you know we are people who are creating whether you're creating jobs whether you're creating new um, paths where you're creating products whatever when you're in that place of creation your job is to even create that table for others to come sit with you as they're figuring out what they need to do to go rise to their next level Excellent point. Excellent point. I definitely agree. I see we're, we're like minds on the same point where I get go a little bit different is I think too often in certain environments, we forget that we are supposed to be creating our own table. I, I worked for American Express. I was one of the people who built the website for cheaptickets.com. Cheap I started perks.com, almostgolf.com and raised millions of dollars for other companies. The last company that I took public in 2016 and we raised six million dollars in an IPO. I worked for that company for three years through for sweat equity. That's it. No paycheck, nothing else. So I earned my seat at that table. But what's so ha what happens is we forget that once we get to a certain level, we're supposed to be taking care of ourselves. We're supposed to be creating for ourselves, creating our own company, taking our own companies public. And a lot of times, not because of our race or because we're women, when, when we go into those circles, people are looking for employees. They're looking for parts of their team. They're looking for people who will help them build. And so, yes, you want to help other people build, but just don't get stuck building someone else's dream and remember that you have a dream as well and that you, like you said, Kristen, that was so valuable. 
you are a creator. Like I love working with Chandra. I think Chandra's tried to speak like three or four times and I'm jumping in there. (laughs) But our focus and our conversations is always about being the creator, creating that instead of going to work for someone else and being an employee. Am I right, Chandra? Yes. And my biggest thing is like, I come, I come from a tech background, you know what I'm saying? And I, I mean, I've worked in different capacities. Like I even worked in, you said we have to show the, there are other industries that we have to go into. I worked in museum fabrication where the minority, um, the people who work in that field is 0.075%. You know what I'm saying? So the biggest museums and stuff, I mean, I've worked on some of the largest, doing the, the bids and marketing for a lot of, some, a lot of the museums. And to sit at a table and be the only face there and to be, to have to actually, and this is where I do a push where I push STEM programs, I push engineering, I push architecture, I push for these programs that exist, that have existed in our communities. But when we go to the table to get those jobs, they're overlooked by someone who was interning with, you know, that didn't even have the degree. So this is what I'm saying. Like my biggest thing is I get what you're like, I get what you understand where you're coming from, but the opportunities you know, the jobs have been open. They've been applying. There's been so many um, African-American people who have went through and studied architecture and studied, you know, engineering and studied all of these things, but they were not given a chance because they needed five years of experience when they come out of, you know, out of college. You know, they weren't given that, that push or that, you know, that look to be into these positions, but now they're opening up because they see that there's a deficit and they, they're, they're being called to the carpet about not hiring people, even in production. You know, we had, you have PEAs who, they want to have a degree when there's people who walk in, you know, who didn't have to have those things. Like all of these things that we, there, they have, there have been, the, the, the issue that I'm finding that all of these jobs are being open and they're, they're hiring, I think it's more of, it's a slap in the face to those who came before who actually had to go through the toxic environments, myself included, like who've had to go through the hazing, the, oh, she made a face at me, the reports to HR, all of these things. And so these are the things that I really want to say, we prepare a generation, but we were preparing our children. Like I had to prepare my children, even in school for them to understand, like you can't make that facial expression in class. So preparing our children for a world that's now like, it's kind of a, it's, it's a catch 22 because you're already you're already hyper aware of your things that you're that you're that you're doing you know like all your facial expressions your tone all of these things and now these doors open up who's to say that once they get through these doors that the hr department and the the culture of the company is going to be accepting even though they gave that position what are they doing to protect that individual that they brought in to save face you know, what are they doing to make sure that the environment is welcoming to the person who, it's like affirmative action when that, when, when that, was, a, when that was a big hot topic issue. Well, oh my gosh, they're bringing in somebody else, a woman, a minority, or a black man to take my position. Like, and that person went through hell, but they hired them though. But you can't make decisions, you know? So it's like, what are we doing to see the day-to-day to make sure that person is being respected and you know nurtured and understood in this environment this is these are the things like hiring somebody is great what do you do more power to you write them a check but how are you treating them once they get through the door how are you going to retain them and then keep going and making sure the culture that talk that that culture at that company is going to nurture that role 
Like these are the things like I we we are we I'm happy, but it's like what are they gonna do to keep the longevity of this? You can't have the the culture of a company, you know, once you bring someone in, then you can't it's like it's like a it's a it's just a catch twenty two for me. I'm all I'm all I hear you, Chandra. I hear you. I think there's so many things that are on the table, so many different conversations that we're having. I think that's an excellent point, but I agree with what Kristen said. Is first, we have to get to this in the door. Like, this is the first stage, and I think that a lot of people don't understand that we have to go through this in stages. I'm not as personally as concerned about what happens once people get in the door, but what's been interesting to me I mean, it's secondary to me. It's not like the primary focus, but to each his own. But what is important to me is is this, and it's kind of um, what Kristen was saying. We need more opportunities. And and I I had this conversation on the second panel that I said on in regards to race relations. One of the people who was on the panel, she said to me, she said, Sharifa, I just, I'm a white woman. I just don't know. I don't know about, you know, all this racism and I don't know what's going on. And so my question to her was, what part of it do you not know? Like, what part did you miss? Did you miss slavery? Did did you miss civil rights? What part, no matter what your race is, that you do not understand? They asked me to write an article on reparations in a magazine called Radiance Magazine in Southern California. It's all over Orange County, Long Beach, some parts of Los Angeles. It's a print magazine. White man owns the magazine, known him for about two years. He called me and write this article. But one of the things that he said to me, he's like, Sharifa, I had no idea all these things were going on. So somehow, somewhere, some light switch went off in certain communities that racism in America actually exists. And so I'm curious from the other side, why all of a sudden are people waking up to this whole idea of racism in America? And why do we have so many white allies who are saying, Let's open those doors. Let's create those opportunities and, and now deciding to make a change. I think for me, coming from the fashion industry and just working with a lot of um, luxury fashion partners here, there's been a lot of issues for me in the per- performativeness of a lot of these um, editors, influencers, what have you, um, where they're posting the black square, they're posting how to be an ally, they need to learn, I'm reading this, I'm doing that. Um, and you know, we've reached out to them before everyone woke up and now we're still reaching out to them. Um, and they're like, yes, I want to support this. This is great. And then they ghost. Um, and, and that performativeness is what's really, I think like, it's great that they want to create opportunity on their Instagram to their, you know, hundred thousand followers, but what are they doing to push that opportunity? And I think that's been a struggle for me because it looks like, wow, doors are opening. We can take hold of this. Like it's, it's our time to amplify our voices and the voices of other uh, you know, women in our community. And it just seems like a lot of times it's for that PR kind of angle mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And that's, um, that's, that's been, I think, the biggest struggle for me. I think what's changed for me personally is that I'm so confident in using my voice to raise up my community um, and raise up other women, especially women who are part of Dormar. And that's a lot about what that Vogue article is about. So I appreciate, you know, the magazine giving me that spotlight. But there's a lot of other partners who, um, you know, it, it's a little bit hypocritical. Uh, so that's been a, you know, something that I thought could change and it is in stages, but, um, you know, especially with fashion, it's a lot for the show and it, that really needs to change. That accountability um, needs to be there. And I think we talk a lot about cancel culture and I'm sure we'll get in there, but 
Um, what does removing someone have to do with, you know, making your business inclusive um, and raising those voices and giving those opportunities? Um, so that's something that I'm really trying to focus on. And there's a great panel for, for those who are in fashion called Black in Fashion. It was started by Lindsay People Wagner and Sandrine Charles. And they had a call today about how they're kind of implementing with different fashion brands, how to hold people accountable, kind of these checkpoints they're having with brands. So um, there's a lot of great things happening, but there's, I mean, especially in fashion, there's a lot, there's a lot to do in that performativeness, I think. I think, I think that, one of the um, things, this was something that I had mentioned in the last panel and it's something that I constantly talk about. Like right now, I feel like I can't make the assessment of how good things have been going or how bad things have been going because it's only been a couple of months. Ooh. And the real testament to what's going to stay and whether this is really going to be something that um, is long-term is if we have this conversation next year, same time, you know, what did we actually see? And my whole thing is the consistency. Mm -hmm. Like for all the people who are saying, I want, I mean, and Lauren, you're already seeing it. Like people are like, I posted my black, my black square. I put, uh, you know, I made my donation. I'm good. No, you're not. As far as they go. There's, there's so much more that needs to be done. And for those who are saying, I really want to help if you're really and truly about it, you need to understand that it's a lifelong, well, I, let's hope it's not our entire lives. Although I feel like we are my, and I've said this with, you know, my husband and I have talked about how this is something that, we may not see in our lifetime. Exactly. So it's really more setting up for the next, um, the next generations. So people need to understand that it's a long journey and it's not something that by Christmas time will be done, you know, and everything will be back to normal and everything will be, will be fine. I mean, if that were the case, then we would have had rights, you know, 50 years ago when they signed a bill. <laughs> But that we all know that that doesn't happen, that hasn't happened, oh. and it needs to be something that just keeps on going. So I think it's about the consistency of all of us who are within this, everybody in the black community, holding, continuously holding people accountable, but also all of those who are saying, I want to be a better human being. I want to be a better person. I don't like how people are being treated. You know, you also have to consistently step up, whether it's, and Karen and I talked about this on her podcast, it doesn't have to be that you are, if you're not a person who goes out and protests, that's fine. If you're not a person who is, you know, about posting on social media, that's fine too. But where I need your help is your father, who is consistently doing those jokes about, you know, black people in this one or who has the power to say yes or no to the loan yep. for the next entrepreneur that's, you know, that's coming in trying to get some money to build up a business or to do whatever. I need you to be the one to say, this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. Yep. Um, you know, or say something, you know, I mean, that is probably one of the most powerful things that people can do if you're not black and even if you are, you know, or for whatever, well, we're not talking about other marginalized communities, but for any community, just being a better human and saying, this isn't right. Let's do something about it. 
No, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. Um, I just take to a certain extent, you know, a different stand, not completely different. But, uh, you know, we mentioned this on another panel when the lady said basically the same thing. She said she wanted to go into the stores and not have people look at her like she was going to steal something. She wants to go into the bank and have people approve her loan and not disqualify her because she's an African-American. And I said, well, see, that's why my focus and I say reparations, reparations, reparations a million times because I don't want to go into a bank. Right. I want to be able to have my resources that I can pass down from generations to generations so that I don't have to go to ask anyone for money. I don't care what their race is. I don't want to have to ask anyone for anything. I want to be self-sufficient. Another thing that was mentioned, and I think Lauren mentioned it, is about the whole PR aspect. Now, I'll give you an example of something that happened here in Long Beach. If you go on Postmates, they created a whole different section in Postmates for Black-owned businesses or Black-owned restaurants. There happened to be only two Black-owned restaurants in Long Beach. Now, one of the Black-owned businesses, which is Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, in 2015, lost. It went to court. This is You can Google it. They lost. Uh, discrimination case because they refuse to hire black people. They don't have their black owned company that will not hire black people. But yet when everything goes on about race in America, everyone of every race sends all of their money to this business because they're black owned. But do we take a look at these businesses, how they're operating, what their practices are? It's no, because it makes us feel good to support mm -hmm. a black business because yeah, and Ros Roscoe's is always packed, but have you, who, I mean, and, and it's nothing against Hispanic people, but the guy who owns Roscoe's chicken and waffles. And I, I can tell you from experience, I know him. I know him personally. His name is Herb Hudson. Herb will tell you from his own mouth, he doesn't hire black people because he will tell you black people will steal it all. And he doesn't use the word black people, but Hispanics, they'll steal from you, but they'll leave you a little something. So he refuses to hire black people and he lost a discrimination case for, and he, he, he had to pay a guy millions of dollars because he refuses to hire black people. But five years later, all the black business and all the business in this city is going to this same company because it doesn't matter because he's black owned. Sharifa, I do have something to say to that because, yeah. and it's so interesting that you said that because right before I was going to make a comment to Mikkel, and when all of this started taking place as a fashion brand owner and being a black entrepreneur in the fashion and beauty world, it's very tempting and very easy to hide behind your brand. And what I mean by that is for years, years, I hid behind my brand. I didn't want to be the face and name of my brand because I was a black female. Predominantly, most of my customer base was white females. And I kept thinking, if I put myself out there and I make myself be the face and name of my brand and everybody knows me like that, is it going to take away from people wanting to buy from me? So I had my own hangups that I had to be truthful with my own self about and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there. This is who I am. This is, and you know what, Let's see somebody else is saying, same here. It's, it's a very fickle space. And so... I've had to let go of my own hangups. I've had to push back and say, you know what? I will be the face and name of my brand. It's not going to take or, you know what I mean? I've got to stand up in the same way and stand up for one, for my own self, 
my brand, my company, not try to hide behind a different image. And I need to be part of the solution of changing what beauty means in our country, period. So now I take that on as a responsibility of mine. I, my models are extremely diverse in nature that I use. I want to make sure that all women are represented, that they can feel themselves in the jewelry that I sell, that they can see themselves in it, that it's not for any one person. It's for everybody to feel beautiful. So I think that that's that first piece. And, you know, I didn't know about the Roscoe's chicken and waffle story. So, you know, I think that's, yeah, I think it's really important that we understand that. But he's not the only one though. That's the whole thing. He's not the only Black-owned business that refuses to hire other Black people. So it, it, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's, you know, he's the only one that got sued and won. And, got, and you know, and a judgment was entered against. So. so we just have to be honest with ourselves, know who, our, who we are, and not be afraid to put ourselves out there. And, you know, I think that's been one of the biggest things about this whole movement is about people saying, this is who I am, and I am here, and don't ignore me, and my life is important, and I do matter, and what I like and do, and my family, my children, I have three young black males, and all of my kids right now, they're, they're great kids. They're college graduates, and they contribute to this country and world enormously, and it's like, I shouldn't have to be worried every time they walk out of the house, but I am. I've always been since they were young teenagers. And, you know, it's important to really kind of think through that as a mother, you know, in this world that is kind of crazy. How do I protect my family and my children and also still be an advocate for my people, be an advocate for women, be an advocate as an entrepreneur and still be able to, to you know, make my light shine in the world the way that I want to. Kristen, I feel like, I mean, you kind of like took the words out of my mouth a bit um, because I'm going through the same thing with my business, really honing in on who I am and infusing that in the business. I had a a co-founder who is no longer part of the business last fall. She um, was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. Um, I raised the question, we're a new business. We need to, you know, promote so many different types of women on the platform. She goes, Lauren, our audience is white. They don't want to see black models. Uh Oh, oh. she said that. She's no longer with the company. Um, (laughs) We had a lot of of issues. (laughs) Um, but I have to be honest, I, I'm biracial. And when she said that and having worked in luxury fashion, I, I was like, maybe she's right. Maybe no one will, will think we're luxury. Well, maybe that's not the answer. And I hid myself and who I am and in, in its entirety from my brand. And you know what? The brand was not authentic. It was not true. There was no personality. And the second that I decided, you know what, I'm going to embrace who I am in all ways. And the business now and myself, no matter what happens with the business, business is going on right now, but I am giving a voice to myself and to other women. I mean, the woman that was featured in the Vogue article with me, her name's Delanique. She's this adorable, beautiful girl. Um, she's launching her own skincare line. That's, um, she's calling it a skincare, like lifestyle goop kind of place. And it's for black women's skin. And um, she's launching it in a month or two. And I was able to feature her and she got, had her business mentioned in Vogue. And to be able to give that platform to women of all different colors, but specifically black women right now is, is what this is about. And we do have to raise, we need opportunities, but we have to use our voices to raise each other up um, to, to get to that next level. 
I think it's really interesting how many of us in fashion and in higher end fashion have that same issue of feeling like we can't show our faces. Um, and the person in chat is actually my best friend. <laughs> Shout out to Amber Poitier. Forgot my earrings today. Um, but it's like once you get to a certain certain uh, level in fashion, it's almost like when you put yourself out there, um, people feel like that you that you they won't be able to relate because there's a black face there, and that's that's really sad. It's like okay, I. If I'm out there, then other people think, oh, it's a black brand, so it's not for me, you know? And uh, it's, it's, really, it's really hard, um, but necessary to change that narrative because it's not like we're putting products out that's just for black people, you right. know? We're putting great products out for people who connect with the story and connect with the brand to buy it. You know, mm -hmm. and it's not that I'm, you know, if I'm not black, I can't buy it or I can't understand it. No, it's not that at all. If you connect with it and you love it and you think it's going to look beautiful on you, then you should support it. You should, you should go ahead and get it. You know, I think that's across the board though. I don't, I don't think yeah. that's in any form of fashion specific. I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but I don't think that's specific to fashion. I think in it, it's not specific in to fashion, but it's something that comes up a lot it does. In fashion. No, I mean, it because, pretty much and, and particularly like luxury, like high end mm -hmm. luxury um, items. No, I, again, that's what I'm saying. So with high end luxury items, you have a lot of different industries and a lot of different brands. So mm -hmm. it's been my experience that the higher you go up as far as the echelon, the less you deal with people of color or the less you deal with a certain image and a certain look. So right. my focus, again, I always go back to what is the heartbeat of America? What makes America's heart beat? And that's small businesses. So if you take away small business, what happens when your heart stops beating? So we just have to implore, to me, this is my focus, to implore more people of color, more minorities, more African-Americans to focus on being the business owner as opposed to being the employee. Because I can give, you know, we're talking about um, fashion as opposed to anything else. One of the number one questions that I'm asked when people learn that I have a talk show, oh, okay, is it for black people? Or are, are the majority of your audience black? Uh, no. I'm like, if you watch my shows, which I'm sure all of you have, um, the majority of the guests on my show are primarily white. Whether white men, white men, it doesn't really matter. The majority of people are white. And then I, I will say to them, I put out a, a response or a request for people to be guests on the show and people will apply. I don't go after white people. I don't specifically go after black people. I go after people who want a platform to have a voice to talk, tell their story and talk about their business. So we just have to keep reminding people how important it is for us to continue to grow and to get to those levels so people become more accustomed to seeing our black faces. Yeah, Shreva, I think you make a really good point. There is a, there is a brand, um, I think there's an issue right now with having that one black seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, a black, this is a black person's role. We need one black person to do this, to do that. There is a brand that did a story on Juneteenth. Obviously, this Juneteenth never got attention um, in mainstream media until this year. Um, story was a luxury fashion brand, and their Juneteenth story was featuring their one black stylist 
cooking a pie mm-hmm. in her kitchen. Why she gotta and be cooking though? Thank why does she have to be now. cooking? Why does she have to be cooking? Like yeah. just because she's black, there's a ton of things to celebrate her beyond cooking peach cobbler. I mean, uh-huh. this is a fashion brand. Dress her in a beautiful gown and have her talk about her favorite summer looks. I mean, they they try to celebrate black yes. holiday, black culture, black community, but they they relegated her to the one way they know how to feature a black woman, and that was really oh. it's two names to work for, and that was really painful to see because I know they're they're trying, and I'm sure they were well intentioned, but they they, no. they didn't have anyone at the higher echelons that spoke about you know where that went wrong and because the publicist was is tone deaf (laughs) whoever okayed that was that like really yeah i sent it to this site called diet prada that kind of puts brands on blast but it expired before they got it but um i just i just like it's like come on now like i've seen a lot of tone deaf ads on june like i've celebrated juneteenth since i was a kid so to me it's it's i'm like what's the big hoopla i've been like they didn't teach it my my parents taught me this side my my father who who is black from two black parents he had no idea what juneteenth was literally zero clue bless his heart so Um, you know, it's like one of those things that, like, it, it's just been so buried under the rug for a lot of people, black people. Our, okay, the thing is, the sad part is, is that the history books are written, like, we, I can have a whole conversation I about know, how Because <laughs> that right there is a whole different, it, it is up to us. Like, I teach my family, my children, because I was taught, I'm from the South. So there's an unspeaking, spoken oral history that goes on through, you know, through our family that carries on. So I don't, I just think that, having a publicist who is or having a, a marketing department that that is diverse that could understand exactly what your audience wants and not just speaking to one section would have prevented that poor girl on on the on the thing cooking a pot like come on now like they're not going to have a mindset <laughs> like I'm like there's black women black men come in many different backgrounds things they can do it's not cooking or like that, she, she has a, probably has a degree and is very accomplished yeah and, and wait wait what's the thing they always say oh you're so articulate <laughs> I'm yeah, just yeah. Saying, like, yeah exactly just, oh, so i'm gonna God. jump in right here because i have the best publicist and pr rep like firm period like they're awesome and she's watching right now so i'm going to ask her to go ahead and chat her information but what i'm going to tell you guys is this it oh, all comes down to like you actually that person that's representing you and your brand needs to actually know you. You can't right. just hire somebody that is out there random and you think that they're going to tell your story correctly. You have to have somebody that is going to tell your story correctly, that understands you and your brand and what your influence is on the marketplace and make sure that they're going to put you in the right, in the right frame because that's also part of our responsibility. You know, you can't just have other people that are just telling who you are and now putting you into these situations. And now you're kind of like, what just happened? Now, (laughs) me, I like I am. This is my profession. I'm a publicist as well. So Uh what really makes what really cracks me up when I have a consultation, I had someone ask me, oh, do you take white clients? First of all, ma'am, let me tell you something. There's a combination, there's a certain sweet spot that you have to have to be able to tell somebody's story. There are three parts that make a great pitch. Yes. So don't ask me if I work with a certain, like, 
ask somebody else that. Don't ask, don't ask me that because I don't see you asking my white counterparts, do you, do you handle uh, African-American? Some of them will not take a black client or they'll take a black client and then they'll pitch them and they'll tone deaf on their pitches. So th the whole conversation has to happen when you have, well, this is a whole different, a whole, we're, we're about to walk into a whole different situation. <laughs> We've had black celebrities who go for the white firms and have fallen on deaf ears because they don't know how to pitch them. They don't know what angle to pitch them from. They don't know what publications are out there. Like I said, I had a, another a white publicist ask me about black media. Now, if you're a publicist and you're in this profession, you would have access to all the, all the publications and media that I have access to. So why would you have to ask if there's a specific list? Yes, but I think what's, what's key here and what's important about <coughs> what you said and what Kristen said, and I think what Lauren said as well, is this. You have to have that PR person who can push back. You know, that's the key. So yep. when someone presents you with an opportunity, and let's put our star celebrity influencer client in the, in the kitchen cooking a pie, they would have pushed back and said, that's not a good look. That let's, you know, explain it. But when you have a representative and you have a company who don't understand that we do not want to be portrayed in a certain way, that's when it becomes an issue. So you have to have that person who's in control of helping you with your brand and getting you opportunities that are that won't put you in a bad light, you know, because I agree with you, Lord. But to me, you know, again, let me say it again. I agree 100%. But there could have been worse things than a lady in the kitchen could have cooking a pie. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because I'm like, they could have been like, oh, she's making that fried chicken and watermelons. You, you know, know what? If you don't stop, I was, I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say it. But I'm not going to say though. it, Chandra. You knew I was going <laughs> to say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least she got to cook the pie. You know what I mean? They could have put her in some ancient mama scarf or, you know what I mean? She was not even have ancient mama. See, they didn't she take it into mind no way. But she wasn't cleaning, though, so that's a good thing. That's what I'm saying. She wasn't the maid. <laughs> she was not the help. That's, she wasn't the help. <laughs> it's a funny thing that we can laugh about. <laughs> Some of the, it's the most disrespectful thing. I, I, well, oh, just, Lord. It, it was so off. And this, this girl that was in it was not, she actually works for that brand. Um, so it's a, a whole internal thing. I would have quit. So I think that comes to the next step of like, the only way she was going to, you know, be featured, be a face of this luxury brand was to put herself in her, I, I mean, I don't know her personally, but was to kind of like relegate herself to one role. So at least she had some sort of feature because she didn't feel like there was another way to be featured. And I think that's... She had to compromise herself. Beyond fashion, beyond fashion. Like, how, how do we get people to think that, you know, Black people can be featured and have those voices and have those platforms without that stereotypical way that, you know, we've seen them throughout history. I think that's like, you know, does it is well beyond fashion. Yeah, but I have an I answer for that, Lauren. It may sound simple, but you have to first be able to see in your mind's eye that black people can do more than just cook in the kitchen. If yeah. you can't perceive that, you're never going to create that environment. I mean, because my background is entertainment. Like I said, the company I just took public, it was a television studio. That's how I know it, the who's who in Hollywood. But you have to create images in the media of doctors and lawyers and successful people so people can recognize that. But when Other you tune in, girl, you know, what's that, the 80s? 
but <laughs> you have to be able to see people in certain roles. They're not the drug dealer. They're not the hooker. They're not the criminal. You know what I mean? They're not the crazy lady sitting on the bus stop. You have to be able to see successful people in roles and create more opportunities for people to relate to. Because some people really do take television li literally. They think because I saw that on television, everyone's like that. I was watching this show. I'm captivated. As soon as this ends, I'm going back to it. But if you haven't seen All American on Netflix, oh, that is my ser new series. I've been watching it. But it's so much about race in a funny, humorous, family way. But, it, it, you know, it's just so much about race. And it's interesting. And I just think we have to show different areas and different dynamics of who we are. Back to what uh, I think Chandra, who said, that people say you're so articulate. Was that you, Chandra? Yes, I'm tired. Yes. yes, but see, I heard what you were saying when you said it, and I don't mm -hmm. think our audience truly understood what you were saying when you when you say to a black woman, "You are so articulate." People say that because to a lot of people, it's a surprise, which is, which is why at times I'll be very quiet and just listen, and then when I speak, they're like, "Oh my God, like you're you're articulate." I'm like, "Okay, what did you expect me to say?" Yo, what's up? Like. It's just an image that they see of people and we have to change what it be like, dog. You know what I mean? Like, I don't talk like that. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a very educated person, but that surprises some people because they have a certain idea in their mind of who you are mm -hmm. and what you stand for. I think it also goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about opportunity and education. You know, we are still raising up. I see someone has their child right there, right? We're raising up this like next generation and i think it's such our responsibility to really show them and let them know the opportunities that are available and schools have to change the way that they're teaching they have to be begin to really start teaching our kids that and this is all kids they really have to start teaching them all of the different aspects like it's time out for community helpers you know people don't just grow up to become doctors and nurses and dentists right there's millions of other career paths to follow. And I think it's really important that we, you know, here we're talking about fashion and beauty, but there's so many like behind the scenes jobs in the fashion and beauty world. There's so many behind the scenes jobs in the entertainment world. There's so many things and a lot of kids just have no idea. And we talk about the dropout rate in society. It has been like that for a long time because kids don't see a purpose. They don't see what am I going to school to learn math for? They don't know that math is beyond just engineering or beyond there's so many other things that can be done so i believe like we have to start with education we have to start in a very young age letting kids know taking them to these different places having different opportunities for them to see people in a different light because you guys are right sharifa and chandra they have to see us differently and you know it's also really important um, to help your next person get to where you are you know, I think that's what we've all been saying. Even when I left my job in ed tech, the other woman who came behind me was a black female. And that was something that I wanted to have happen. And because my clients were used to dealing with me and I really wanted them to have somebody that they could feel represented in that same way. So it is our responsibility. And I'm so glad that things have started to shift. And so now we can begin to have open dialogues like this this afternoon which is, I think, really where everything starts. I like you. Oh, thank you. I like you, too. <laughs> it's really weird. I like the two new ladies. How y'all doing? I mean... <laughs>
Because I think each one of us, as black women, we've come from so many different diverse backgrounds. Like we've, but we've all dealt with some of the similar issues. And it's crazy that even though we all have different back, like it's crazy that some of the I just. Yes. On these, these social programs that are here to expose children to the, the things that, you know, to keep them motivated, support those programs. This is yes. exactly why people, why these kids are dropping out because the programs are being canceled or they'll be, they'll be there for one semester and they're gone because the funding is pulled from it. Keep those things in, um, in, in, in motion. Keep funding those. Keep supporting those programs, the STEM programs. The the like there was a there's a class called fashion marketing, right? They got rid of it because they felt that it wasn't a necessary need. But people have to be creative, you know. They have to nurture those aspects of children, and so it's like it it. We just need to do a complete reset, but that's not possible. That's in a in a in a in a perfect world that would be you know just do a complete reset and nurture each child for what they know, and not you know teach them. <clears throat> that, that you know that that what the status quo is okay because some of the children want to speak up and say that's not fair to my my fellow student you know a lot of children want to say that but they can't so I just I agree with you Chandra we need Chandra. guys you're back. <laughs> sorry sorry I, you know you know I'm a talker look you used to be by now and I just I just may I'll keep it short because especially since we're coming to the end but I just want to say what Chandra said I agree with you 100% about those programs I'm for them I believe in them you know i all my life, magnet schools, I've always done a little bit more. But again, let's focus on once we have those programs, creating business owners yeah. out yep. of those students. Because what mm -hmm. happens, no matter what happens with these programs, when these students get out of school and they believe that the only job they're going to be able to get pays them $10 an hour, they're already frustrated because they can't earn a living wage. So we have to take them from these programs to opportunities where they can sit at the helm of their own companies as CEOs and entrepreneurs. That's my focus because if they just do the program and then they're not self-employed and self-sufficient, then they're still going to be struggling. Very true. A um, couple of things. So to, um, to Chandra's point, um, yes, I think that we have to do a better job in the school system, me being a professor in its school, but I also think that to, to like what Valerie's doing right now, we all can either take our own children or be mentors to other people because we can obviously cannot rely on the school system that we have right now to teach oh. our children what they need to know. You know, I mean, we've all had our own, um, we've all said something about the history books and I have countless, you know, I have countless um, incidents with the history books and I have a specific incident about um, right after the Rodney King incident and something that my history teacher said to me and I took that home to my mother and she was like, are you crazy? But you know, it's it's things like that that happen that we need to make sure that either you as a mentor or you as, as the parent is um, sitting down with your children and saying, okay, I know this is what you learned in school, but this is what we're going to talk about today. You know, you have your own history lessons. You have your own lessons about um, being a better contributor. Also, to Sharifa's point, I totally agree in, in terms of um, entrepreneurship. And one of the things that um, I've been trying to think of 
myself is how do I share what I know about entrepreneurship and, um, you know, my fashion skills, because there's a lot of young people who are really interested in getting into this particular industry or just getting, becoming an entrepreneur, period, but don't really understand how to run a business. Okay. how to be an entrepreneur, how to, um, you know, the small nuances of, yeah, I have this t-shirt line, but you know, what color should I actually have? I can't have all of them, you know, and just the things that actually, um, help you run a successful business that's actually going to be profitable, you know? So things like that, um, I've been trying to figure out, okay, well, I, in the last couple of years have learned more about that and how do I share that with other people? Because then to Kristen's point, it's also about access and accessibility to that information. And as much as we say, yeah, we got Google and yeah, we got, uh, you know, you can Google it. There's so many things that to me, when I sit and talk to people and I say, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. And there are people, you know, there are students, there are young people, there are older people who have no idea what I'm talking about. And I am like, I just Googled it yesterday, you know? Yeah. So to that point, there's so much information out there, but there's a lot of information still that people just don't know. So how do we, um, as responsible citizens, as people who are trying to make the world better, how do we reach out to other well, I think everybody has to do it in their own way, in their own yeah, form exactly. of fashion, which is why I do my talk shows and why I take the time to host three talk shows a week. The Roundtable Talk Show, I do weekdays every day for an hour at 8 a.m. You know, that's why I wrote a book, but you have to find that way for you that works best for you to where you can say, I made a difference in this world, even if I just helped one person. And also to be able to say, well, I'm available. To, that's why everything is Ask Sharifa. Nobody can't say I'm not available if they have questions. I'm available if you ask me and I'm available if you tune into my shows. But no one can say that I haven't done my part to make this world a better place. Exactly. And Mikkel also, um, that's also part of what I do too. I make it a point to consult with new entrepreneurs. Actually, one of my uh, consulting clients is on right now. And what I do is I consult with them and I help them start their business right from the start. So if they have an idea, we talk through like, what is it that you need to do foundationally? So you're set up for the future. And then I do a handoff. Because I know I can't do all of that and the other million things that I'm doing, but I do make it my point to just take a little bit of time, have some great conversations with them. When I know it's time for them to go to an, another place, I hand them off to someone else I know that's in the industry or in the right industry so that they're able to move forward and I know that they're taken care of. Um, I also have my show, that's what my show In Style uh, with Clearly Kristen is all about is about giving fashion and beauty and business entrepreneurs that space to be able to tell their story, to let other people know that they exist, that, that they're around, that they have um, a platform where they can showcase their products and services, and other people are aware that they're there. So, and our show is on Thursday nights at 8.30 on Roku, yes, Tara, Roku, Amazon Fire, it's on Apple TV, it's pretty awesome on the new Promote Her Network. So you guys check it out. Yes, um, Annika, you can put that in the chat. But it's awesome. You guys check it out. And it's really great. So we have to find your, find your thing that you can do to give back. And I mean, once you find your thing that you can do to give back, 
you know, it doesn't matter how small or how big it is. Just find your thing that you can do to give back. I, I wrote a book as well for, you know, launching. It's called um, The Dreamer's Workbook. So I try to make sure that, you know, kids have a access. They can actually walk through a workbook to launch a business and understand it starts with an idea and it works through all of that. So you have to be able to give back and in different ways of giving children and giving everybody an opportunity to find their passion and find their dream and work their dream. And I think that that's, it's going to change everything. Like you said, learning the nuances of how to run a business, how to start a business, what what's needed, that is very important. And I think giving like, I try to talk to as many kids as I can. If they want to launch a business, their parents know they want to launch a business, then that's what it needs to, you know, what needs to happen. So um, I was making sure that I wrote the, the Dreamers Workbook with a friend of mine so that it was so easy for people to, for kids to follow, teenagers to follow. And it broke it down to them so they understood exactly, you know, there, there's options outside of working a job because, you know, the gone are the days of working a job for 40 years and getting a pension. You know, they don't gamble the pension away on, on a riverboat. I don't know, but <laughs> that's not an option anymore. So having your own business gives you a sense of ownership, a, a different sense of confidence, and a sense of belonging and you matter. And, and it gives a whole different side of your world. So I love the fact that each one of you ladies are promoting entrepreneurship and owning your business. And I just love y'all. Well, you know I love you. That's my girl. I mean, we talk. Uh, we do a show to, a day together. The other day, what was that? We did two shows in one day. We did the roundtable talk show and face to face. And then uh, Lauren was on my show the other day, and it was like the most awkward one because we had this bad connection and I couldn't really connect. But I love talking to you ladies. I would love the opportunity to talk more. I want you to come back, Lauren. I'm going to give you an amazing show. I'm going to put you with some amazing people. We kept losing the connection. The ladies in the Middle East, we can't even hear her. That was fun. (laughs) I know. That's what I said. But but yeah, come back. I would love to talk more with all of you. But again, back to what Mikhail said, do what you can. That's why I wrote my book, Signs You Might Be an Entrepreneur, How to Discover the Entrepreneur in You, to help people who are interested in becoming an entrepreneur. I love this entire panel because everyone is on such so many of the same pages, right? We're here to be good citizens. We're here to be entrepreneurs. We're here to you know keep lighting the way for everyone else and highlighting who's here. And that's like the entire powerful ladies like thing. It's like, we know how to make things happen. We know how to change things. And thank you guys so much for being a yes to me for the first time or again, and like sharing this conversation because seeing everyone in the chat, like these conversations matter so much. Like they, it, everything you're talking about, like we have to keep doing these. So before we wrap up today, I'm going to share my screen again and let everyone see your contact information. Um, and then, um, so you can, here's how you can connect with all of our panelists. We've got their Instagrams, their websites. Please go follow them, support them, reach out, connect with them if you want to have a conversation. And to also remind you guys that we are, we have one more scheduled in this series. We're going to be scheduling more. The next conversation about racism is in October. It's one month before the election, very uh, intentionally. And we're going to be focusing on that one a lot about like what actions need to be taken or what available actions are there that we can do to keep pushing this through because there are so many opportunities right now. How do we keep opening up a little bit wider 
while we have people interested and there's momentum and there's movement happening. Um, and then we will also be sharing this as we did um, before, so you can get it on um, YouTube and it'll be our podcast next week for anyone that couldn't listen to it live, everyone will get to. But panelists, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. You are for sure incredible, powerful ladies, and I can't wait to see you all uh, on the next one. Thank you for thank the opportunity. You. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this special episode and our commitment to continue the conversation of racism and solutions to racism in America. We have scheduled follow-up events. The next will take place on October 2nd, and that will be episode three. You can register for this free event right now at thepowerfulladies.com. For additional resources and ways to take action, follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies and check out our Powerful Ladies online community. You can find the link to this at thepowerfulladies.com. This is where we are continuing this conversation and where women and business are rising together. You can follow and connect with our panelists on Instagram here. Sharifa Hardy at Sharifa Hardy, Mikkel Drew at 383design, Chandra Gore at C. Gore Consults, Kristen Fenrick at Kristen Fenrick, Lauren Wilson at Shop Doramar. In the meantime, be safe, be loud, be the leaders we need, be awesome and up to something you love.